Friday, November 22 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, RIP Mark Cady and the fluid state of the race. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. And Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper State House Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, RIP Justice Katie. Iowans uh, were shocked by the sudden death of Iowa Supreme Court Justice Mark Katie a week ago. The death of a sitting Supreme Court Justice always is significant. In this case, Katie's death had added significance because of the changes the GOP majority legislature made in the way his successor will be selected. Aaron, uh, you attended the celebration of Katie's life. Um, he'll be remembered for a decision he wrote before he became a Chief Justice, the decision in the Varnum case that overturned the state's ban on same-sex marriage. Um, in general, how, how was he memorialized? What did people say about uh, Katie at this service? Yeah, it was, a, it was a, well, first of all, it was a very um, uh, moving uh, ceremony. And, and I said this as early as, late uh um i believe it was a week ago friday uh late at night when the news uh started breaking and and um i said on twitter it, it was already happening you could see it coming from having covered um mark Cady and the supreme court and and the people around him that the the flood of of grief and sadness and shock and 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 praise for, for um for the man and and the and the judge um you could see that coming a mile away um, because in covering him and in talking to people about him, that was always, he was always praised in life too. He, he was, he was thought of as, as, as the kind of, um, person that you wanted on the bench, the kind of judge, um, that you wanted on the bench. So, um, the, the ceremony was just even more of that, um, um, he kind of equal parts. There was a lot of praise for his career, you know, his his devotion to the law and, and justice for all those years, and and being an advocate for the court and 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 issues, um, especially for um, juveniles that get caught in the in the in the legal system and and programs that can possibly help them. Um, and then there was also a lot of talk about Mark Haley, the man, and Tom. Um, commonly described as being um, just unbelievably kind um, and uh, very disarming, uh, able to talk to, to anyone and make them feel comfortable. And, and uh, a lot of people talked about his sense of humor. Um, so it was very much a, a mixture of, of Mark Cady, the judge, and Mark Cady, the man, um, in how he was remembered at that uh, ceremony. Um, and then one of the, the what I thought was a pretty cool thing. You mentioned the, the, the Varnum case, um, the sing one of the groups that sang, performed, um, sang a couple songs at the ceremony was the Des Moines, um, area gay men's courts, which obviously has special meaning given the, um, outcome of that, that case that Mark Cady wrote the opinion for. So that was a, a um, a pretty neat touch too. And, and that Varnum decision is one that Katie will always be remembered for. Uh, and they talked about how he came, to write that decision, um, that it was sort of by happenstance. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing story. So one of the speakers was Marsha Turnus, who was the Supreme Court Justice before Mark Cady. 
Um, and she was actually um, not retained in the next election in part, uh, well, not in part, because of, um, a, of a movement by conservatives who were upset by that ruling. Um, and they organized a, a movement to not retain any of the judges who were on the ballot that year after that um, Barnum decision. But anyway, so Marsha Turner spoke at, at, at the ceremony and she relayed this story of how Mark Cady happened to come to write this momentous historic not just for iowa but nationally this this ruling made waves i think iowa was only like the if i forgive me if i'm wrong on this but i believe it was the ninth state to legalize same-sex marriage it was obviously before the supreme court state decision that made it legal nationwide so this was a huge thing not only for iowa but across the country and and then mark katie was the one who wrote this decision and as marcia turner told us at, at the ceremony it was just because he literally drew the name out of a hat, that the case, out of a hat or out of a bag. Um, when they were going into their planning session for um, the cases that they would all be hearing and writing opinions on for that session, they literally just drew cases out of a bag. Mark Cady happened to draw Barnum versus Brian um, and the rest is history, literally. <laughs> the luck of the draw. Um, you know, Amazing. What I remember about Katie is the transformation we saw from the first condition of the judiciary speech he delivered to the legislature like six months after that retention vote and three of his fellow justices had been thrown off the bench. Um, he looked like somebody who, uh, standing in front of the legislature, was the last thing he wanted to do, the last place he wanted to be. He was quiet, hesitant. Um, almost appeared scared. And, and then you contrast that with the, the speech he delivered uh, this year and speeches in recent years where he was confident, um, really d delivering direct messages to the legislature, challenging, um, always diplomatically, but challenging lawmakers to address justice issues. Um, and, and uh, you know, we went from, uh, you know, in, in 2011, um, legislators still talking about impeaching him because of he was the, the author of that Varnum decision to earning the respect of the mm -hmm. legislators he worked with, you know, in the on the judiciary committees, um, on the justice system or, or judicial systems committees. Uh, those folks had a lot of respect for him. They didn't necessarily agree with him, and, and they weren't afraid to disagree with him. But um, he had earned their respect. Um, even as he, the court was uh, handing down decisions on issues like uh, the waiting period on abortion, uh, for example, that uh, lawmakers didn't agree with. Um, so uh, it, it was quite a transformation. And I guess, uh, as Todd wrote earlier this week, uh, Katie is gone, but his principles and legacy will endure, um, which is a good thing for the court and uh, for the state. Moving on here, um, we're 75 days away from the Iowa caucuses, and um, would-be presidents are still getting into the race. I just saw a filing for some guy named uh, Lee Saylor is running for president. I couldn't find out which party he was running in or any party, but hey, they're still coming. Massachusetts, former, former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, uh, we've heard of him at least, uh, was in Cedar Rapids this week, and... and uh, uh, promised to honor the tradition of Iowa's first-in-the-nation caucuses, but uh, not exclusively. 
Um, he was asked about what his Iowa campaign would look like, and Patrick said that in some ways it would be a virtual campaign, um, which doesn't seem like a great strategy in a state where FaceTime is important, where voters like to shake candidates' hands, look them in the eye, and most importantly, get selfies. Maybe uh, Patrick will have some cardboard cutouts at rest stops so Iowans can get their virtual scrap or pictures with him. <laughs> Uh, another poll found that uh, Republicans want a strong challenger to President Donald Trump in the caucuses. Uh, Amy, um, that's not looking too likely, is it? Well, there's always Joe Walsh, you know, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the foil of Trump on Twitter, for sure. I'm not really sure what audience he goes for on that, but he's, he's doing the work. Uh, of course, Bill Wells, better known as Who, uh, but... <laughs> You know, these these guys are having a tough time, you know, getting on the primary ballots in, in these primary states. And the fact that even these long, long shots know that the importance of, of primary ballots matters should really give guys like Patrick and potentially Michael Bloomberg pause. Because if they're not, you know, even physically here, if they, if they can't get on a ballot, if these primary ballots in most cases have been set sometimes by these states already – you know, that really is going to put them behind. You don't have to go for a 50-state strategy. You know, obviously it didn't work for Howard Dean exactly, but getting a strategy of at least being in these first states and, and being in those battleground states I think really is going to be key. I don't see somebody like Deval Patrick um, or Joel Walsh really gaining any traction in that aspect. At least not so far. <laughs> I, I should note that uh, futurist author and entrepreneur Zoltan Istvan has announced he will challenge Trump for the GOP nomination. Uh, of course, people know Zoltan as, uh, as uh, the guy spearheading the multi-million person transhumanism movement, a philosophical and technological community that aims to upgrade the human body with science and technology. Its number one goal is to overcome biological death. So if things don't work out in 2020 for Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, they might have another chance in the future. In 3020. Yeah, 3020. There you go. Yeah. They just have to just <laughs> sort of add another, you know, little crook in that first two there and it'll be 3020. The Iowa poll from the University of Iowa also found that support for the president is strongest in rural areas where we assume farmers and others affected by the trade war and the Trump administration's failure to fully implement the renewable fuel standard live. So I guess we'll have to wait a while longer to know how long farmers will continue to support the president. Amy, um, you covered uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren earlier this week. Since she vaulted to the top of the polls, Warren has come under increased scrutiny um, and an Iowa State civics uh, poll this week found that that scrutiny and the positive coverage of South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg has knocked her out of first place. Uh, does she still sound like a front runner? Does she sound like she's um, uh, holding up under that scrutiny? And um, are folks still looking at her like a front runner? Yeah, in some ways, yeah. Um, you know, she still draws a crowd that's pretty similar in size to, to Pete Buttigieg um, in the Waverly stop. She uh, had, you know, between 500 and 600 people, which was a lot very similar to his recent stop there as well. Um, but in other ways, she sort of seems to be chasing policies of these uh, presidential candidates that are polling lower than her. Like she's, um, you know, dropped a Medicare for all 
you know, chasing Sanders on that, for example. Um, and at the same time, she's sort of trying to strike a moderate balance. Um, so like postponing her Medicare for all plan to year three, which most critics have rightly, you know, said would be a tall order, given that midterms tended to put the party of the other party in Congress. So Republicans would be in Congress as she's trying to bolster Medicare for all. So it's, it's remains to be seen whether splitting the difference is, is going to be a top candidate strategy in this election. Um, I'm not sure that it's a good strategy, um, but I'm not sure that it's not because uh, sort of between moderate and progressive is, is sort of an interesting category and she might fit well into that. Hmm. Interesting. Um, the, that Iowa State poll also uh, showed Deval Patrick had 0% support, uh, the same as John Delaney, Joe Sestak, <laughs> and Wayne Messam, and uh, former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who is moving toward a presidential bid, scored 1% in the poll. So I, I guess <laughs> just moving towards a candidacy is a good strategy for him. Uh, Aaron, Joe Biden uh, it, it apparently is trying to reinvigorate his campaign with an eight-day, 18-county, no-malarkey bus tour of Iowa. Are you going along for the ride? <laughs> uh, I, I haven't received my invitation yet, uh, so so we'll, we'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, it is, a, it is an interesting um, move. And, and way back in, in the beginning of this, Joe Biden said nobody was going to outwork him in Iowa. Um, he hasn't been here quite as often. And that's not to say that he hasn't been here. He certainly has campaigned actively in Iowa. But there are certainly other candidates who have been here a little more often. Um, so this is a big step uh, for him to do one of these bus tours where you hit a, you know, a few stops per day over a string of consecutive days. He hasn't done something like that yet in this campaign, um, while other candidates have. So, so that's a significant move, uh, by the Biden campaign. And, and, um, look, you know, there's, they're not dumb people, just like none of the other staff in any other campaign in this race, they see how competitive this thing is and how every vote's going to get count going to count and be important and how um, undecided this field remains. So um, this is probably um, uh, hard to argue that this is a bad move by the Biden campaign, probably a good move to get out there and, and um, uh, really pound the pavement here in Iowa. And, and um, as, as we're really hitting the stretch run here, as you said, 75 days before the caucuses, um, getting in front of many people is trying to change as many minds as he can. I think the timing is interesting uh, because, as you mentioned, you know, he said nobody's going to outwork him, but he hasn't really spent as much time here as others. But, uh, you know, this is make a big push right now uh, before the holidays, uh, well, between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, really. Um, and if if really, you know, 60, 70 percent of Iowa caucus goers are undecided, uh, I guess it makes sense to get out here and, and give them a reminder um, at this point that, you know, why they should be getting behind Joe Biden. Um, according to a CBS News survey, he's still, Biden is still leading in delegates, um, the people who will vote on the nomination when the Democrats meet in Milwaukee next summer. Um, so can this uh, okay pre-boomer still win this thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, it's... Um He's still. I know his polling numbers have fallen a little bit, and, and people have expressed concerns for myriad reasons about the former vice president. But he's still in that lead pack um, uh, of the top four candidates polling in this race. 
Um, he still has a lot of, of, of people who, who feel that he's the best candidate to uh, take on President Trump in a general election. Um, and as we said, there's still a ton of people who are undecided um, in this race. And, and for most of those people um, who have a short list, Joe Biden is on um, a lot of those short lists. So he's still very much in this game. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't think any of us knows what's going to move the needle or what's going to sway people in these last um, two or three months here. Um, but but he is very much in the mix and absolutely could still come out of Iowa um, on top or at least, you know, get one of those um, three tickets and, and, and go on and, and maybe he does better in some other states and, and is ultimately the nominee. He, uh, he's still very much a, a real player in this race, absolutely. And finally, former Maryland rep John Delaney, who has had 229 campaign va- events over 80 days spent in Iowa, and is polling at less than 1%, is making his 40th campaign visit to Iowa. Perhaps fittingly, he'll end his trip at a West Des Moines brewery. That's it for this edition of On (laughs) Iowa Politics. I hope it's been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Send fan mail to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the homepages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Otto Bonga will take us out. If you know a band or talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file. And remember to follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Aaron, Amy, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening.
Smoking only on the best grass. I'm cooking for a mile a minute. Look out for smoke and don't step in. 